And uh, of course, you know, what else can you say about 2020 that hadn't already probably been said? Uh, it's been a very interesting year. Um, and as we near this time of year, obviously with Christmas coming, and I think we got one more Sunday, then the next Sunday will be day, a couple days after New Year, after the New Year. And I'm sure all of us are thinking, well, I hope 2021 is better than 2020. And I'm sure a lot of us have a whole lot of things that, you know, everybody, you know, I've seen the meme that says, please, everybody eat their black eyed peas or whatever it is now. And, you know, like that's really going to make the difference. I don't know. Um, I can tell you one thing that'll make the difference is, is if we as a, as a people draw back closer and call out to our Lord, uh, that'll be something that'll make the biggest difference. And I think it's needed. Uh, this time of, uh, this time of year, we, uh, we think about the Christmas season and, um, it's been a little bit bittersweet Thanksgiving as well. It's just not the same, right? We're just not able to be around our families as much. We're in the same capacity. Some of us have those that are in the hospital, those that are sick with the disease, some that have other ailments and other concerns, and some folks that uh, they just are doing their best to stay quarantined and don't want any visitors or anything else outside of the necessities that they need. Uh, and so in thinking about this time of year, uh, I want to start out with a little bit of talking about the birth of Christ but I think what I would like to do is beginning, I guess, today, and then I think uh, going forward month to month, I think my intention is to talk through the book of Philippians. And so, uh, but to really understand uh, the Apostle Paul and really the book of Philippians, it starts right here with the birth of Christ. Uh, in the birth of, with the birth of Christ, uh, you read over in Matthew chapter 1, and we know the story. I'm not going to try to read through everything. If I tried to read through everything, I just wouldn't have enough time this morning to get to what I want to get to. But, um, so, I mean, prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus would come. Again, I'm not going to go back and read a bunch of text about the coming of Christ and the prophesying of Christ coming. But it was... Um, at the time in the coming of Christ and the, and the birth of uh, the Virgin Mary, uh, it, was a, it was something that had been talked about, prophesied about, but yet the Jewish people were not necessarily looking for it either. And so it became as a little bit of a surprise. And you look at the birth of Christ in the sense that, uh, and again, I'll just read a few texts here for us in Matthew chapter 1, where it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on, the, on this wise, when as... Uh, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with, with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not uh, willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. In other words, to go out and do, and do this privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee, Mary, thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is, that, is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And of course, we know that, uh, of course, we, I mean, again, I don't want to rehash the entire story, but we know this was actually true, that this actually happened, this actually came to pass, and that, uh, and I could probably turn over to the book of Luke and, t and really kind of dive off more into the story about how when, they, when, the, when Christ was actually born and the angels appeared under the shepherds there and they said go over and they, they, were, they would see uh, uh, Jesus there, uh, the baby in the manger, uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And of course, uh, Christ being circumcised the eighth day is according to custom. And then you have the point in which uh, the wise men that uh, King Herod went and had a little side conversation with is what I like to call it. And they said, go into Bethlehem to bring, and, and, and bring back word that the king of the Jews had been born. And when the wise, man, wise men, probably roughly 18 to two months, uh, two years, excuse me, 18 to months to two years after the birth of Christ, uh, when the wise men, at wise men actually appeared to Jesus and the family there, uh, they, uh, an angel appeared unto them and told them to go out another way to go home so that they would not return word unto Herod. And then Herod, of course, had everyone, uh, every child that was two years and young, uh, younger put to death in the city of Bethlehem. Of course, we know that Joseph was, uh, heard the voice of the Lord. The Lord carried him in, uh, carried Jesus and Mary into Egypt so that prophecy would be fulfilled. 
And then we have also him uh, by, after the years in Egypt, they went into Nazareth, I believe it is. And of course, to fulfill prophecy once again, that he would be called a Nazarene. And so we have this idea of Christ. And of course, I don't have time this morning to kind of go through everything about uh, that are mentioned in the first couple of chapters of Matthew and Luke. But I want us to really hone in on verse 21 that I just read a moment ago. Because I think it's important to understand the position of the Apostle Paul, especially when he was struck down on the road to Damascus, and the thing and the events that followed after that in the book of Acts, that uh, caused the, the Philippian church to be such a special people to him. And uh, I'm hoping that I can, I'm going to have to bring out a lot this morning uh, to kind of understand where the Philippian church was founded and why maybe the Apostle Paul had such a, a heavy heart for these people uh, that were there at Philippi and why he would write such a beautiful letter unto them. And, and, and hopefully, Lord willing, I'll be able to bring this out this morning. So with the birth of Christ in verse 21, it says, For you shall call his name Jesus shall bring forth the Son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, Brother Charles has been talking to us out of the book of Romans for the past several months now. And uh, you think about the argument that, the, uh, that Brother Charles mentioned to us uh, about two weeks ago, I think it is now, uh, where you get right to the end of chapter 11, where Paul is trying to tell the church at, uh, at Rome, whether you be Jew or whether you be Gentile, it's all of Christ, for I've concluded you all in unbelief, because that it would all be about the salvation which is of Christ Jesus our Lord. And to all, it's through, for, through him and in him to be the glory. We, we understand that the text that we have read. And so this idea that if you don't believe, verse 21, that Christ Jesus himself saved each and every one of us from our sins, from his, all of his people, from their sins, he was the guy. I hate to say it that way. It sounds kind of weird, but he was the guy. And so Jesus, throughout his entire life, the 33 roughly and a half years that he was on this earth, you watch a man, you know, and, and it's hard for me to even think about this without mentioning the scriptures that are there in Romans, but he, you know, they stumbled at the stumbling block. They, they, kicked, they kicked the cornerstone. They were, I mean, they, they rejected Christ Jesus and, uh, and Paul pouring out his, out his heart to his Jewish brethren and wanting them to come to this knowledge that Christ was this Messiah that they had been looking for all these years, begging and wanting his brethren to recognize the truth which is in Christ Jesus. And yet, Jesus then says, Lo, I turn to the Gentiles. The church of Philippi was Gentiles. And so if we go back and think about the Apostle Paul and the experience that he had, let's look at the life of Paul. When it, let's start previously on the road to Damascus when he was actually called Saul of Tarsus. And you think about being uh, Saul and the, and the persecution that, that, that he was doing. He was doing what all of his other Jewish brethren were doing. They rejected the, the teachings of Christ Jesus. They rejected the, the disciples. They, they were, he was uh, carrying out what, I, what he believes was, you know, he did not believe that Christ Jesus was the Messiah. And so for those Christians in those churches in the early, in the early church that the disciples were decreed to begin, uh, he was out persecuting it and to the point of uh, consenting to the stoning of Stephen. And so uh, we have a beautiful uh, event that happened on the road to Damascus, roughly in Acts chapter 9. And I'll, I'm going to slowly turn over there as I'm going to grab a few things out of Acts this morning before we actually get to Philippians. But here you have the Apostle Paul who was struck down on the road to Damascus on his way. Um, and, and as he says in verse 3 of Acts 9, it says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there sh shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now he's going to go and find a man by the name he was blind. He's going to be blinded, but he went down to find a man by the name of Ananias who was going to teach him. And I don't, you know, I wouldn't even say just teach him uh, probably more of the scriptures, but I would say 
probably what the Lord may have revealed to him on that day to the, on, on that road to Damascus, what the Lord really revealed to him, we may never know the fullness of it. We do know that there is a, uh, there's a record, I believe it's in Corinthians, where we know that Paul was carried up into the third heaven. And uh, there at the, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we understand that, there was, that he had a thorn in the flesh that he besought the Lord thrice to move, to remove, but the Lord saw it fit to keep it there. And uh, uh, I think it's probably less, he lifted himself up in pride uh, to a place or a, a position that he should not lift himself up to be. But Paul was struck down on this road and Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles. So then you turn over to, and I tell you this whole story to kind of think about this. Not only to start out with the idea that this time of year, we celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, we actually probably celebrate a lot of things this time of year and probably don't celebrate the birth of Christ near as much as we should. We celebrate Christmas trees and gifts and the giving and all of this. And this... You know, maybe on Sunday we'll give a little bit of focus to the story, the Christmas story, as they may say it, uh, or the birth of Christ. And, uh, and then we think we feel better and we probably don't feel so bad. As long as we give a little attention to Christ, we don't feel so bad about opening our gifts on Christmas morning. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that if, if you would really start and begin to think about how important it was, not only through the, you know, again, we... I'll pause and say it this way. This time of year we celebrate the birth of Christ. In Easter we celebrate the death of Christ. But what do we do all the rest of the year? We ought to be celebrating the life of Christ. See, in Romans chapter 5, and and, uh, let's make sure I get over there and get the verse real quick. Now, I rarely do this. I don't like bringing things right and kind of pulling things out of Romans without giving a lot of context here. But uh, I think y'all give me a little bit of a leeway this morning to do this. But in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, it says, uh, I don't want to start there. Verse 6, for, yet, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or reconciliation. Paul, when he was struck down on this road to Damascus, and then he was taught more perfectly of Ananias, and then he was commissioned to go preach unto the Gentiles, could you imagine the joy the Apostle Paul must have felt to be able to go out in places and to teach this wonderful message. That not only, I mean, not only the fact that Christ appeared to him personally on the road to Damascus, but to understand that all of the sins that even the, that the Apostle Paul had, you think, I mean, the Apostle Paul was a murderer, okay? And we think about the fact, in consenting to the stoning of Stephen, he was considered a murderer. And you think about the understanding and the knowledge that he, began, that he was able to have to understand that through this man, Jesus Christ, who came and was born of a virgin, that was prophesied of old, that was, uh, that, that was the Son of God manifested in the flesh here on this, on this earth, walking and talking and ministering for 33 and a half years, and through his death on the cross, died for you and me. Could you imagine the joy the Apostle Paul must have had to be able to then Carry this message out. Why, why do we, when we read all of the letters of the Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Paul, that he would even go as far to say, I thank God for, for my bonds, that I'm in these bonds, that, that, that I'm continuing this ministry, that it didn't matter the persecution that he was getting. I mean, you think, you go back and read over there in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's, maybe it's chapter 11, where you read the, the struggles of the Apostle Paul. He was robbed, made naked, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, 
He was beaten with so many stripes and all these things, yet he just kept pressing into the kingdom all because of this man, this son of God, Jesus Christ, and the ministry of Christ to go forth and teach it to the people. And he thought, and he had so much joy that he would travel. I mean, he tra- if you go back and look at a lot of the places and all the, go, go get you a good map sometime. And you go and look at all the places and how long it must have taken him to get from place to place. And, and probably the times that he was hungry and sick, yet he kept pressing in. He kept pressing on. And then you come here to Acts in this portion, I think it's in chapters uh, roughly 16 or so it's most of chapter 16 and Paul had a feeling that he wanted to carry the gospel into Asia but he was forbidden to do it by the Holy Ghost and you say well why 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 did that happen I don't know why it happened if the Lord forbids something to be then he forbids it Okay, so he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to carry it into uh, to Asia and so they came down to a place called Troas and so, in, in being there, Paul had a vision. And I want to pause here before I get into some of this because I want you to understand there is a reason the Apostle Paul had such a love for the church at Philippi. Yeah. Now, the book of Philippians explains a lot of that, and we're going to get to that, but I want us to get the backstory about the early times where Paul was carried into the, to the area of what they call Macedonia, and Philippi's, you know, right there in Macedonia. And so you have to kind of do some reading. Sometimes they'll refer to it as Philippi. Sometimes they'll refer to it as Macedonia. Uh, but he's in this area. And the time, uh, in the beginning, early stages of what I think, where the Philippian church was founded. Because he was burdened through this vision. In verse 9 of chapter 16 of Acts, he says, And a vision appeared to Paul at night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over unto Macedonia and help us. You know, Paul didn't sit there and, and, and ask the Lord, you know, what kind of help they need? Why do they need help? Why are you sending me over there? No, he just had a vision of a man of Macedonia that said, Lord, help us. And where did, what did the Apostle Paul do? He went. Now, I'm going to preface a lot of this. I know I'm, I'm taking a long way to get to the book of Philippians. And I hope to actually be able to finish half of this, not half the book, half of what I'm thinking in my, my mind right now. Lord help me. Uh, but I want, us to under, I want us to grab a few things there. Eventually I'm going to get to a lot of things concerning the church. Because the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote there was to the church at Philippi, and it's a letter of unity. There was, there was something missing at the church at at Philippi, and I don't want to get, I'll get way ahead of myself, but we, we think about many of the, of the letters of the Apostle Paul. Rome had an issue. Jews and Gentiles warring against each other over who was the better folk out of God's people. You had Galatians, where Paul wrote, condemning them for following another gospel over circumcision, not circumcision. Paul had to straighten that out. I'm not going to say all the problems in the Corinthian church. And then, but you get to, the, but, even, but even Philippi had one small little itsy bitsy problem. But Paul writes this letter of encouragement to, to, to be able to just to look over this problem that they had because all, it was all about Christ. It was all about Christ. So here in the early uh, uh, parts of, of, uh, of the Philippian church, Paul's had this vision where he's this Macedonian man has come and says, help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. He was assured by it. That why, why would this vision occur? You know, and again, sometimes with ministers, we, you know, we don't sometimes know why certain things happen or why we get certain phone calls or whatever. But sometimes the conviction of the Holy Spirit can cause one to be assured in the fact that this is what I need to go do. I can't explain that to everybody. I don't think Brother Charles can probably explain it very well. But sometimes you get a burden and a heavy heart to do something, so you just go. And so then he's going to meet a, a, a lady by the name of Lydia. She was a seller of purple. 
And so there in the city of Macedonia, they had a custom. And, that, and again, I don't want to read all this. I won't get to some of the things I want to get to. But they had a custom there. There was a time in which you went to pray. And so uh, they met this lady, uh, uh, Lydia, a seller of purple uh, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, uh, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. I, I could preach all day on that. They, she may have heard the, the preaching of the apostles, but the Lord opened that heart that day in order to have a fullness of understanding of what was going on. Beautiful language there in, 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 the, in, the, in Lydia, this, this seller of purple, that the Lord would open her heart. We, don't, we aren't able to change our own hearts. The Lord can only do that. Such beautiful language here in Acts 14. And she attended unto things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So, she, so they start out this ministry there in Macedonia by meeting this, this Lydia. And, it went, and they baptized her, baptized her whole household. And then the next day, uh, and, and it came to pass in the coming days, however you want to say it, um, they, they, were, uh, they were out again at, as the custom, they went to pray. And a damsel uh, with a, possessed with a spirit of divination came unto them. And when you think about, uh, and brought her master with uh, much gain by much soothsaying. Okay, so they, she was a fortune teller. And so she brought this, this uh, damsel that was a soothsayer or a fortune teller, she brought all her, her masters a lot of money. Well, she came and followed after the wrong person, I guess you could say. She came and cried after Paul. And he says, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. Could you imagine what, what those that were there witnessing this, that were following Paul, maybe even the house of Lydia that was there that they were ministering to, that would see the man, uh, uh, this man Paul call out this spirit that, it was possess that, was, that had possessed this woman. And of course, naturally, it grieved the, the masters because now their source of income was gone. This kind of stuff is still happening today. Take away somebody's income and see what they want to do. I ain't got time to go off on that rabbit trail, but I just want to give that nugget to you that says we are in times where a lot of people's wealth or income or whatever they're sourced to put food on the table, and some of them are getting angry right now. And I'll tell you, we need to cry out to Jesus Christ that the Lord would take care of these things. That maybe he would take care of this virus. And maybe the, maybe the other evils or the enemies that... <laughs> the, I shall call the Lord upon the Lord. And he, shall, he will protect me from my enemies. We read that in the Bible study this morning. So, I, so shall I be saved from my enemies. There you go. I tell you. We need to cry. So naturally, what happens to Paul and Silas? They get thrown into jail because... These men didn't like what, they, what Paul and Silas had done. And so where do you find them? So they find themselves, they're in the jail on verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And of course, we know the story here about what happened. See what? Exactly. Paul and Silas know they had not done anything wrong. But yet here in Macedonia, in Philippi, they are sitting there in prison for something that they knew that they did of the, and because they called upon the name of Jesus Christ, one. They knew that what they, were, what they had done was in the name, was in the furtherance, one, of the gospel, and two, and it was in the name of their Lord. And so what were they doing there at midnight? They were just singing praises. They were praying and singing praises, having a good, jolly good old time. And it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. So uh, here's what, basically the Lord's breaking them out of jail. I'm just kind of bringing this all, I'm going to try to sum all this up. 
And of course, the keeper of the prison that had been commissioned to watch over these two men comes back and sees that the doors are open, the foundation has been shut, these shackles that were on these prisoners have been loosed, and he's coming back thinking they're all gone. My master's going to come kill me. And Paul cries out and says with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Oh, the steadfastness and the faithfulness of Paul. I'll be honest with you. Brother Todd, I know you're in prison. That's where you work. But if the foundation was shook and the doors were open, they they better clock my 40 time because I'm gone. But the steadfastness of Paul and what he did, and, and again, I'm trying to get you to understand Paul's ministry here in the Macedonia area, here at Philippi, and, and, and just in that area, and why maybe he had such a feeling and compassion for these people and the starting of this church. Mm-hmm. Not only for what Paul did for them, we're going to learn about what they did for Paul. And then he, uh, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved in thy house. A lot of teaching there. Not going to do that this morning. I want you to understand. Paul was commissioning this man to follow Christ. Right. And in following Jesus Christ, the man who, who won the God of glory, who I believe shook the foundations of that prison cell, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And he spake unto them the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them that, that very same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, and, he, and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Now we have next a, a series of events here where the... Apostle Paul kind of has his one last jab at the fact that Paul, Paul and Silas were Romans. Well, they threw him in jail because they said, and, and they accused him, these Jews trouble us. But they were also Romans. And so Paul kind of has his last little jab, so to speak, and says, no, 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 no. You go get your masters and tell them, for we were Romans, and you tell them to come down here and get us and take us out of this place. And I kind of the last thing. And so then Paul ends up uh, departing into Thessalonica. So that's the early, early stages of the church at Philippi being the, the foundation of, of the church there. Think about the, the, the family of Lydia and her household and the, the, the Lord opening the door for them to pre- for one, for the apostle Paul to go minister and preach there, but two, the attendance and the, uh, the, 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 um, the want to uh, come into my house. I want to hear more about this. She begged them to come and besought them to come stay in her house, that they would continue to minister to their house. And then them, as they've continued there in the city, they were thrown into jail over casting out a, uh, one that was possessed by the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to finding another jailer, a keeper of the prison, that would eventually be part of the foundation of the church there, at Philippi. Now, let's turn over to Philippians chapter 1. And I think I... Okay, that works. So in Philippians chapter 1, to kind of give you this, this all the background that I tried to give you in starting all of this and how this church was started, Paul's in prison once again. He's in bonds. And yet, even being in prison and in bonds, he decides pretty much, I don't necessarily have referred to it this way in times past, but he writes a thank you letter. This letter is really a not only a letter of thanks, but it's a letter of also instruction and encouragement. Uh, that, and, and really, just to, to maintain the unity of that church through humility in serving Christ. Unity through humility, serving Christ. 
almost I would go as far as to say a lot of chapter 2 refers to us being more like Christ. In order to be more like Christ, we got to study his life. I think we've done that. I know there have been many sermons that have come through uh, here at the church and uh, about just the life of Christ and many of the wonders. I know we've uh, Adam at one time preached to the book of Mark, I believe it was, or or Matthew, and I think, I know Dad has done things through Mark in times past. Uh, and uh, so you kind of look at the life of Christ. It actually caused me to start in looking at some of the early stages. Right about the time uh, Jesus was 30, right at the beginning of his ministry, he was tempted. And he was tempted three times by, by uh, Satan himself. One, physically, he fasted for 40 days, so he was a hungered. And, of course, we know the story where he's like, you know, if, if thou be the Son of God, cause these stones to be turned into bread to fix his physical hunger. And he says, of course, he says, uh, for the word said that uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out uh, from, the, uh, from the mouth of the Lord. Something to that, I'm paraphrasing. Every word of God. Then he was tempted again where the devil actually took him to, uh, into, into the city, into the holy city. And looked upon the throng and told him to cast himself down. Uh, and again, I'll probably be easier for me just to go read it. So let me grab it real quick. All right. Verse 5 of uh, Matthew 4. And then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him in the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written... He shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hearts, and they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus replied, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The third temptation was when Satan carried him up to a high mountain to see all the lands that were round about. And Satan says, If you'll just bow down and serve me, I'll give you all this. Which I always found kind of interesting that it was all God's to begin with. So why would Satan think that he had power to give it to him? makes you really wonder a little bit about what type of power the Lord had allowed Satan to possess in earth, okay? Maybe we'll study some of that sometime. But what I want you to understand is that Jesus himself was, was tempted much the way we are. I could probably bring out some other points of that, but I, I kind of want to press on at this time. And then you study the life of Christ and the ministry of all the times the Pharisees rejected him. The, 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 the constant, uh, you know, we, we go back and read about uh, the Samaritans and how the Jews perceived the Samaritans, yet Jesus himself taught, you know, about the goodness of really the Samaritans. You have, you know, the fact that you had uh, time after time again, his disciples were walking and talking and seeing the miracles, yet for constantly, for three and a half years, his disciples were almost like, yeah, but what else do you got? We're not convinced yet. And you almost would think, you know, what else is it going to take? Well Paul, was, well, Paul was convinced. Paul was assured. We read his letter to the, to the Roman people. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was not ashamed to preach it. He was not ashamed to be in bonds with it. And he was not ashamed to, go, to even go nigh unto death for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think to some degree, the, the, the Philippian folks had a little bit of a taste because they saw it in person through the foundation of that church that Paul and Silas were afflicted and put in jail for the furtherance of the gospel. There was a different love there. There was a different connection. There was a different unity that Paul had to these people. And so in his affliction... The, the, the Philippians would reach out to Paul, send, send messengers, so to speak. They'd bring, there was a one that was recorded, I think, in the fourth chapter where he was at Texas, maybe it was Thessalonica, and they, or no, he just writes a thank you to say, you sent me an oil of, 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 of sweet savor, I think it is. I, I could probably just grab it real quick to be, so I don't misquote myself. He says, um, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He, and, and, and they sent him they sent him these things because they wanted to continue to encourage him. So Paul had a different, just, I, I truly believe his relationship with this church 
the way it was founded, the way the Lord appeared to him in a vision by through a man of Macedonia that said, Paul, you know, come help us. I mean, you kind of look at some of the other churches. Paul, Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church certainly like, wasn't like his relationship with the church of Philippi. Paul had to write such an angry letter to where he was, in the, in the sense that he would then apologize that he was so, almost so harsh in the first letter, but he was actually thankful to God that he made them sorry and they repented of what they did. So the, again, I'm trying to describe to you the relationship so that you can actually understand the first few verses of this letter. Because I think we really brush over the first probably 11 verses mainly trying to get to the to chap, verses 12 through, through 16 into the rest of the chapter because we really like some of the language there. But I want you to really pause and think about what, what Paul may have been thinking as he wrote these, these words. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I've probably said a lot of things about this particular verse in verse 3 over the years, but I think I have a little different perspective now. Could you imagine all of what, again, the, the Word of God does not express Everything that they did, probably for the Apostle Paul. It just doesn't explain. It doesn't say. But he, but imagine, I mean, you think about people in your life. Think about relatives. You think about extended family. You think about friends at work. You get. You think about uh, your place of business and all this stuff. I don't wake up every day and to say, "Oh, I thank my God for every remembrance of my place of business." I am thankful that God has allowed me to go to work and earn an income, but I don't, I'm not thankful for every little thing when I think about work. I probably can't say that about my own family, no offense, but it's the truth. Because there's been ups, there's been downs, there's been things said, things done, tensions, whatever. I imagine even in church houses and congregations, it would be hard for, for, uh, for somebody to write those particular words. But you think about the Apostle Paul and what he must have felt and thinking not only the way the church was founded and the appearance of, uh, of the vision, Lydia being in jail, the Philippian jailer, his household, and yet all the time that he's in these bonds, they're continuing to send servants, to send messengers, to help him, all for the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. It's all about the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. Paul will explain that in this letter. Especially in the first chapter, first chapter. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. Sometimes I really wish I understood the fullness of what Paul was talking about. Making, you know, remembering them and, and every prayer and every request that I'm making, I'm, I'm making it with joy. I'm making it with joy that for, for that, 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 for that church, that people that was so special to him. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first day until now. Could you imagine if ministers today still wrote letters like this to other churches that they visited or that they've been a part of? I don't imagine the I don't imagine that our feeling and again we're living in such a different time. And yet every time this this particular people every you know their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now They've continued steadfast in the gospel. And I can tell, and I can tell you, there's a, a lot of churches. I mean, I, I probably think probably more of this. I think about some of our brethren maybe out in Kenya. Through some of the ups and the downs and the, and the communications that we have. 
Can you confidently say that we have continued steadfastly in the gospel from the first day until now? We're more probably distracted more these days with things that, that distract us, things that don't matter. And you're saying, probably, Brother Derek, what are you talking about? We're distracted. The modern church today in 2020 is more distracted now than it ever has been in the world. Now pray for me. Because I'm, I'm a little scared about some things I'm going to say. I don't care, and I mean this with my whole heart, if you think you're more right than I'm right. Did that come across right? I am ashamed of some of the things I see on social media by our ministers of all types. I am ashamed. Out there arguing. You're not out there for the furtherance of the gospel. You're out there for your own selfish ambitions. And I mean that. And whoever, whoever may be at home listening to this this morning, I, I'm, being, I'm being as honest and sincere as I can be. The war between denominations and us, oh, well, I'm this and I'm that and I think this way and that. All you're doing is thinking, talking about how right you are. about, about And I'll tell you, the end of the message is this. It's all by Jesus Christ. Right. I'm going to go read it because it's, just been, it's been on my mind ever since uh, Brother Charles has preached it. And I just love it so much. We have a song written about it by Elder Tim McCool. Here in uh, chapter 11, it says, For of Him, through Him, and to Him, all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. Why, why am I going to waste my time with things that are not in the furtherance of the teachings of Jesus Christ? What's arguing with you or anyone else, whether it's social media, news folks, co-workers, relatives, or anything else, what's it going to do? I guarantee you it's going it's to conjure up more strife than anything else. What we've got to do is get back into the gospel. Get back focused on Jesus Christ. We just, I mean, that's, that's my message, really. And, the, and, and this, this idea that Paul in, in this letter he's going to write is about unity, oneness, togetherness, one faith, one love, together, all in the name of Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you, I want to start right here. be honest, no offense to, my, to the other primitive Baptist ministers that may be listening to this, I'm just not worried about y'all right now. Yeah. I'm worried about what's going on right here in this community, in this church. If I'm more concerned what's happened over in Georgia than I am about my brothers and sisters that may have sick, family members that may be in the hospital, those that may be diagnosed with cancer, me not dedicating my time to prayer and encouragement and phone calls and other things trying to encourage the people here, and I'm more concerned about what's happening four states away, I've got a problem. We've got to get back contending for the gospel Being confident of this very thing which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all. In other words, it's, 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 it's right, it's perfect for him to be thinking this way because I have you in my heart as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. I have you in my heart. Whether I be in bonds or in these chains, he says, you set a defense and a confirmation of the gospel and ye are the partakers. We are all together the partakers of God's grace. And that's what brings us together. Paul is telling them that, they are, that Paul, though in bonds in, in a faraway place, there's a oneness that is there with that church. And I want us all here to have this oneness, so to speak. 
For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve all things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. That ye may be sincere and without offense. That's probably one of the hardest things that we have facing us right now. Are we sincere in our service to Christ? Are we sincere in following after the Lord? Or are we more ashamed in the current culture that we're living in today? If you don't think there's a warfare out there right now attacking the the Christian church, all Christian churches, all churches, everywhere, if you don't think there's a warfare that's causing all of us when we're out in public, when we're in certain places... We just kind of seat back, keep our mouth shut. Now, I'm not saying to go off on a full rant somewhere. Don't be foolish, okay, folks? But you still ought to have convictions according to thus saith the word of God that it, and, and know that it's better to follow Christ in this world. And there's a verse of Scripture that's, that I'm thinking of. Uh, I'm not going to be able to quote it right off the top of my head. Maybe it'll come to me in a minute. But Paul, in his letter, is that he's encouraging this church to be sincere and following after God and doing the works of Jesus Christ. Be sincere in their unity. Be sincere in their humility. Be sincere in wanting to have this family, which is a church. Understanding, uh, Brother Charles brought this up last week, that you know we're all of one body. Maybe you're the pinky toe or the, or the, or the index finger or something else like that. I'll tell you, as a body of Christ, when one part is missing, it hurts. I've broken enough bones to know that if one of you are probably broken in some way, some of us are right now, we think about that with family members that are hurt, those that are sick with COVID, and those that uh, have many other things that are going on. I I can't feel your pain, but I know it hurts because you're part of this body. And I hope you know, according to the word, I'm sincere in that. I'm not saying it just to say it. Paul, when he's writing to these to the to the church of Philippi, I, I, as I stated before, I wish I knew probably the heaviness that was on him from his experience with them and being cast in jail and starting the church there. Of why he could say, "I thank every uh, in every remembrance I have. I, I thank my God for you for, for for every remembrance of you. For I make all my request in prayer with joy and your fellowship in the gospel. I wish I could understand the fullness of that extent, but I tell you, it's going to start right here with us today if we begin to draw closer one to." each other in the name of Jesus Christ one common faith one common love one belief in what he accomplished through his death burial and resurrection that's what brings us together and so why do we come to church on Sunday to Sunday we come here to worship the living God the one that sent his son and this time of year we ought to be thanking God that he even sent his son to us Think about that parable. Surely they'll, they'll hear my son. The parable of the vineyard, yeah. the householder. Surely they'll, send my, they'll hear my son. And Lord, oh, they killed him too. Yeah. I tell you, we have something worth fighting for today. And it's a oneness in the Spirit of God in this place. Yeah. And I tell you, if we, if we grow in that together, what we may can have that would maybe want others to come and be a part of that as well. But we've got to be sincere in it. We've got to want to share it. We want to, we've got to be partakers of this grace. As the Apostle Paul says, well, I want you to be, all of us to be partakers of this wonderful grace that we have in our Lord. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather 
under the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, he kind of stops in his thank you of, of, of the people there. He says, but he says, I, I want you to know, though I'm in my bonds, I'm in these chains, I'm in this condition. He says, don't worry about it. It's all about the furtherance of the gospel. And it's okay, it's going to be all right. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Can you imagine that? I mean, the Apostle Paul and his boldness that he had, that even in his bonds, he says, even my bonds are going to allow me to speak more boldly in the word without fear. He does, in other words, Paul's not scared. I mean, I'd have to probably go back and find the timeline more perfectly, but you know what? I think by the time he writes this letter to the people at Philippi, he's already been shipwrecked. He's already been snake bitten. All these things have happened. He's already been, it's not like anything new is happening. So for you and I today, what does that say about us? We are in, we are in what I would refer to as in spiritual bonds. And I would tell you this because there's, uh, we turn right over to the, uh, I think it's the sixth chapter of the book of, uh, of Ephesians, and we realize over there that there are principalities and there are powers in this world that are coming after you all and me. And they put us in these, these, these almost, uh, uh, these, these spiritual, uh, that are not the spirit of God chains, but, the, but of, of Satan and, and his workers. They want to put us in these bonds to where they want to they keep our mouths shut. They want to keep our minds thinking that we're oppressed. And I'll tell you, I've never felt more free in the cause of Christ than I do right now because I'm looking out on this world and I'm thinking, that's the only thing that's going to save us right now. Amen. For all these people thinking, oh, it's a politician. No, it ain't. Money ain't going to fix it. No, it ain't. So many, we look to the salvation of all of, the, all of all our things, but we, we fail to look to the one place. And you know what? Satan is a part. Like, that's what his, that's what his goal is. So now I'm begging, I'm begging the people here to have this boldness, to have this willingness to want to say that even in these bonds, I'm going to stand fast, even without fear, for the cause of Christ Jesus. Paul had boldness. I loved it. Now, granted, I'm no Apostle Paul, but I, I do pray that, Lord, give me, give me some boldness like the Apostle Paul. Don't give me the doubt that Peter had, but give me the confidence that Peter had when he went running toward Christ. I pray like that. And so now he comes to probably one of the, of the more, my more favorite portions here. And I'll end with this. Because there's a lot of Philippians we'll have to get to, but I think this will be a great stopping point. Verse 15. For some indeed, pre uh, some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. I know there are people out there in the world today that preach Christ with envy and strife and of contention. If you don't know what that means, that means they're only preaching, and Paul's warning the people at Philippi because there were preachers, were bishops as they referred to it, at the church of Philippi that, that were out there preaching and they weren't preaching because they were sincere. That they wanted to, uh, in other words, they wanted to follow in the, in the furtherance of the gospel because it was of Christ like the apostle Paul did. But no, rather they preached it because they wanted to be like the apostle. They wanted to have his popularity. They wanted to have uh, this, uh, again, an appearance. It's, in other words, they were so self-absorbed in themselves that they just wanted to be up in front of people talking. I know people like that. I know, uh, and, I, and I think it's a shame. But Paul was making, I mean, this is the one small issue they had there at the church of Philippi. And that, the issue was that you had ministers there. Some were just doing it to get the attention. 
Some were doing it because they were self-absorbed. And so they were preaching because they were jealous of, of what the Apostle Paul and what the apostolic gifts that were given the Apostle Paul, they were jealous of those things because those gifts weren't given to these other bishops and other, these other ministers. So he's drawing a contrast. He's saying some preach out of envy and strife, but of the other of goodwill. And what of the one with goodwill? He says, and of the other love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. In other words, the ones that were preaching out of love for the people, the love for the furtherance of the gospel of Christ, the one that were sincere and wanting to see the, the message of Christ Jesus reach out and, and touch people's lives the way the Apostle Paul began, as we read in Acts chapter 16, with the response of Lydia and her family and the Philippian jailer and their household. There was ones that were of goodwill that wanted to know that they were set for a defense of the gospel which was of Jesus Christ because it's not about the preacher it's not about the congregate members. It's about what the, what the power of Christ Jesus has done for his people and for his church. We talk about, I think we mentioned, you may have mentioned this last Sunday too. It's not about us. Why do you come to church? I've asked that question probably 10 times this year. Why are you here? Why do you want I me? Mean, why? Is it because you want to be seen? I mean, that's good to see you, but I mean, I hope you're not here because you just want me to see you. I, I mean that. I hope you're here because you love what Christ has done for you and you've wanted to come to worship him today. Because that's the exact attitude the Apostle Paul has. He says, what then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in other words, whether you got ministers out there preaching this gospel, that are, even though they're self-absorbed, even though they're out there doing it because maybe they just want to look like somebody else and all this other stuff. He says, or in, the, uh, or in truth, or in the latter, or in the goodwill, or in truth, Christ is preached. I feel like we've probably over the years have wasted a lot of time arguing and wondering about things and pre maybe it's them things that have been preached in years past and different things like that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> we ought to be rejoicing that Christ is preached. It may not sound the way I sound. It may not sound the way somebody else will sound. But you know what? I can rejoice that there are still people out there in this world across denominational fields and all this stuff, they're still out there trying to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In a world today where we could be so angry about so many things and with the cultural times that are upon us, I tell you, we need to just get back to Christ Jesus. And stop, I mean, if we could just get back to Christ Jesus, maybe this whole community would even come together and realize that we're not so different after all. Because we all love Jesus Christ. And if you love God, you know this, we love God because He first loved us. You know what? I, get to, I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice and not argue with people. You know, now If you want to have a discussion sometime, yeah, we'll have a discussion, but I'm not going to sit here and go fight with you about it. I just got better things to do in my time. That's probably one of the greatest lessons I've learned with my daddy is you call him up and you ask a question and then you start arguing with him. He said, did you call me ask me a question or did you call to argue? And I thought, I'm hoping I'm slowly like, like, that's like almost bleeding off on me a little bit. It took long enough, right, Charles? It took long enough, right? I just got better things to do. I got better things to focus on. I get to focus on my Savior. Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, and yea, I will rejoice. What you're going to read here in the next uh, couple of, again, to kind of preface this going forward in the coming months as we get to some of this, and it will probably be a little bit slower than everything I got to today. But I want you to understand the love that the Apostle Paul had for Christ and the example that Christ set. And he's going to begin to explain those, that humility that Christ had and, and beg the church there at Philippi to continue in the unity and the humility of Jesus Christ. And understand that the whole purpose of the furtherance of Christ is our humility in him. And that's why Paul could say right down there, just 
just below where I was reading, he says, for me to live, it's Christ. But even for me to die, it's gain. Oh, the Apostle Paul, even writing to the young preacher Timothy, says, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. That boldness and confidence and assurance and love and unity that Paul had, I hope we can have it right here at this church. And we can maybe begin today and don't think about all this stuff. I know 2020 is almost over. 2021 may be worse. But you know what? It ain't got to be worse than here. We can grow together and love one another. And I think that'll be a... You know what? Throughout the week, I at least have something to get excited about other than Alabama football on Friday and Saturday, you know? I mean, I know I love football, but you know what? I get excited when I get to see all of you and be here with you all. And I tell you, that's what I want us to all feel together. And we'll be together, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, be more one with each other as we continue to battle next year. Lord bless you.